It's time to get inspired. It's time to have some fun. It's time to take your relationship to the next level and create the marriage you always believed was possible. Come on, join us as we learn from real couples that have overcome real problems with real solutions. Welcome to the Unstoppable Duo Show with your hosts, Rebecca and Tim Lindsay. And we're so excited because Aaron and Ryan have been a part of our church at Seacoast. We got to know them as they went through the assimilation process called Inside Track. They joined Unstoppable, went through that process, and have now come on board at Unstoppable as coaches. And uh, we are, uh, at the moment, we're heading towards 27 Unstoppable coaches. We're so excited. We're having a time in the fall where we're going to have a time where we coach the coaches. And then in February of 2023, we're planning way out here, but we are going to have our 90-day experience back on track, and they are going to be unstoppable coaches there. So if you're listening in, and uh, maybe you're going to be a part of that 90-day experience, these might be your coaches. Come on. You're warned. (laughs) (laughs) So exciting. So this, this podcast, like other ones, we want to get to know the couples. We want to find out like what makes you unstoppable. How are you overcoming um, obstacles and how are you growing and becoming stronger together? But before that, how did you both meet and what maybe attracted you to the other person? <laughs> I forgot. How do we meet or how do we start dating? These <laughs> stories are a little funny. Yeah, so we... Yeah. We met um, a full year before we actually started dating. So we met while I was dating someone who knew Ryan. And Uh, so um, we met very much as friends. Um, But I do like to share when I met Ryan, I remember thinking, I mean, I was um, 23 when we met. And I remember thinking, wow, this Ryan Quarter, he is such a catch. I wonder what single friends I can introduce him to. Like, <laughs> who are the single women that need to meet this guy? He is so cool. And um, yeah, so a couple months later, I, I was not dating Ryan's friend anymore. And so then I stopped introducing Ryan to other single women. <laughs> new enough. He did not need to meet anymore. Um, but yeah, it was a full year that we knew each yeah. other um, and ran in kind of the same um, group of friends. It was a lot of us singles who were also Christians and- um, But still just, like really enjoyed like going out and yeah, being we in the city and Very that kind of social group. Yeah. And, and when you were introducing Ryan to your many friends, what was so cool about Ryan? What was so cool about Ryan? First of all, like he's gorgeous. I don't know if that communicates over the camera, but he's a gorgeous man. But I just, (laughs) I knew that, um, like that he was a Christian and he was always really funny and witty. Like he's very cool, social person. Um, I learned later that he was raised with younger sisters. And so I was like, ah, this is why every woman that meets Ryan feels like instantly comfortable and at home with him. (laughs) It's like, he just, he knows how to communicate with women in general and, um, uh, one thing that really stood out was like, he didn't make 
jokes about women that put them down in any way. Like some guys, when you have a group of singles, like the guys will get together and like, I don't know, just, they're just making jokes or like making commentary about women and stuff. And Ryan never like put women down or like spoke negatively about women. And I just, I found that really impressive about him. Now, Ryan, now we're waiting for you. <laughs> How did you find so attractive? Well, like I said, we kind of knew each other for a year, like pretty good friends, really, like in this group of folks hanging out at least, what, once a week or so? Yeah, a couple days a week. We'd yeah, all... like be hanging out somewhere downtown, usually. And um, then I dated one of, the, one of our friends in that group for like a month or something. It wasn't hardly any time at all. And and yeah, I kind of hit the spring and we took a random road trip down to Savannah. Like we thought something was going on in Charleston the next day and we're all hanging out on Friday night and like, oh, we're going to sing. Like, no, it's not until next weekend. And we're like, well, who wants to go to Savannah tomorrow? Like randomly. And it was just us and one other friend actually. And kind of on that trip is when, you know, things sort of turn a little bit. I'll say. <laughs> we figured out that maybe we liked each other. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, nice. So, so then we had a few months of kind of, figuring that out. And then I asked her out to my, uh, when they call it Charleston and we do a big alumni event in the spring. Uh, the only alumni I can go to is downtown live band music right there in the middle of campus, you know, fun event. And so I invited that as our first official let's say, date yeah. at that point. That's awesome. And what, what did you find uh, so attractive? Uh, I mean, just I mean, similar things like, you know, her love for life and, reaching out to people that are just not, um, that were kind of outside the group, let's say, you know, that maybe weren't Christians, like always inviting folks over for dinner. And of course, she's also beautiful. And, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, her anchoring God. <laughs> no, that's, that is awesome. And it, give us a little bit of, of your working background. What do you do? Uh, today I work at Blackbaud in data analytics, uh, also run an e-commerce store and we do some real estate investing type yeah. stuff. So he has the day job and we have a collection of side projects. <laughs> we have a lot of LLCs registered at this location. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, um, I used to work in full-time ministry. I was campus staff with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship um, at the College of Charleston. And then right around when we got married is when I became an entrepreneur, started a cleaning company. Um, and since then, yeah, we've worked on a lot of other side projects together mm -hmm. as well, which is fun. So I um, own uh, that cleaning company still. And then I, I started um, coaching a little bit on the side professionally a couple of years ago. And so it's been really cool to be a part of a group coaching process and to receive such great coaching myself. And so, yeah, that's part of that journey. That's awesome. awesome. So how long are you married now? Seven years yeah. next week. Next week. Oh, that's cool. Seven years. I mean, part of Unstoppable being on the journey, it's also sharing your story and owning your story and um, talking about it. And that's what you did. Maybe you want to talk a little bit about it, whatever you want to share. But what stood out to me when you shared it with us was too... Um, that when you get to know each other, it's a little bit the excitement, like what you described now. Um, and then you realize you live together, you married, and not everything is this exciting anymore. And there are some things who can be challenging and can be 
um, obstacles even in marriage. So maybe how did you overcome them? How are you, the word you used there was like unlearn them. Mm-hmm. Talk a bit about that. Yeah, so um, the unlearning uh, came from just the example of what a marriage looked like that I um, had in my mind, but also that I had seen growing up in some ways. Um, I felt like, and our, our marriage, our partnership looks very different from that in, in certain ways. And so sort of unlearning the examples that I'd had. Um, so one thing in particular is um, the marriage that I was raised in, um, was one where it put a lot of emphasis on like male leadership spiritually and the way that kind of felt or the way that I understood that it felt very almost hierarchical. Like the man is the one who prays out loud or like leads all the devotions or like is, is just sort of spiritually almost in charge of the marriage. And we came into our marriage where I had been a professional Christian (laughs) for many years at that point. Like I've led trainings on how to lead a small group. I've been prayer coordinator, like spirituality had been a huge part of my life that I was very verbal and expressive about. And Ryan loved and followed Jesus. Um, But he was not called to full-time ministry. Like that, that was not what the Lord was leading him to and so for us to figure out what does it look like for us to partner in following jesus together um had to look very different from the way that um i had been raised with understanding what that looked like so that was for me was part of the unlearning um was moving from a hierarchical setup to a a Mm. partnership together in following jesus yeah this is so good I didn't know that this was going to go this way, but this is so good because there are so many couples out there, um, you know, on the one side, uh, just referencing and and looking at the Bible and and, uh, what Paul says that, you know, the husband is the head of the household and uh, has, you know, ultimate responsibility for the family and measuring up also then what does that, how does that express itself? Um, uh, how can a, a woman spiritually lead the family? Is that uh, is that biblical? And I know that from because I have a strong wife too, and um, you know she'll step out. We're both ki- kind of strong uh, in in spiritual leadership in that kind of sense that we'll get together and we'll listen to what God has for our marriage, for our family, and what He wants to do through us. Uh, then I have a, a sister-in-law who's very strong as well and is a great, you know, uh, woman leader and so many different women leaders uh, in the church. And, and how does that work for you? How do you reconcile that? How has that happened for you? Uh, well, I even think like in our pre-marital counseling kind of help us flush some of that out. Because like, you know, I didn't grow up with like spiritual this at the at the home base let's say and you know but i knew like oh this is what you know the church kind of expects eventually like all right you're, you're gonna be married here's this list of things you should sort of like have to do and one of them was definitely like spiritual leadership lead devotionals this kind of thing which was you know once again not really modeled when i was younger and so yeah just feeling like oh here's this list but you know it's more so like are you 
as the man, like you're more like the CEO, like you're not trying to do every task, but you're sort of like responsible, <laughs> you know, yeah. and seeing if it's done, which I think we kind of flushed out in our premarital stuff. Yeah. Going in, yeah. I remember Ryan really connecting with the image of Jesus as the servant leader too, in um, premarital counseling again. And I remember you, Ryan, just thinking through like, Oh, like to, to lead in Jesus's kingdom in Jesus's upside down kingdom <laughs> where leading isn't necessarily what we, um, what our, our culture or our political systems make leadership look like. Like Jesus mm -hmm. demonstrated a leadership that serves in many ways, a leadership yeah. that comes under it's the, it's the last shall be first mentality in so many ways. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was definitely, I think, early on in our marriage, a, a helpful anchoring point in that. Um, and where it's grown in so many ways, too, I think is um, we've come to understand that um, we follow Jesus and like it is equally valid <laughs> the ways we the ways we follow Jesus and the way we express our affection for Jesus and the way we um talk about our relationship with God together, like they're gonna look like different things, but they are equally valid and equally important. Um, yeah. I think has been a point that we've grown in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Sometimes you hear it's, you know, when women step up or when they are stronger, that it feels imitating for the guys. Intimidating. Mm -hmm. Intimidating. Intimidating for the guys of, for like, oh, I'm, I'm, I, I, I don't get to be the man or um, um, she's just taking over too much. That's like the one side. And sometimes a challenge for a stronger woman can be then when you get tired, is, is the man really stepping up and taking leadership mm -hmm. as well? Or is he so much used of, oh, she can do th those things anyway. I don't like th this is going to be your area and this is going to be my area. Was this ever thought for you, Ryan, of, oh, what if I get this strong woman? Um, am I really going to be the man that the world looks at me to? Was this never thought for you? Or you just find that you, okay, you really got a partner and not just a wife? Uh, yeah, I was never really, I guess never really a thought or a worry or something along those lines. Um, but yeah, definitely saw it more as a partnership. And even more so as we've like continued to be, be married and I definitely grew up wanting to be very individualistic <laughs> and kind of taking things on. I thought we we're like my domain to take on, but now it's like, oh, I have a partner here that can also help with, you know, bringing an income for the house or like kind of all these like traditional male just things. But I mean, I never really felt like threatened, I guess, or that's the right word. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think there's, um, you know, uh, there's a difference between, let's say, leading devotionals and um, being an extroverted person and being able to communicate and leading and leadership. So, like, uh, there are a lot of people who can, uh, you know, be very expressive and lead meetings and all that kind of stuff, but they're not necessarily in charge. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. uh, you know, there's a, a lot of husbands that I also know that, um, are able to lead their family with their wives being very expressive about different uh, things that they feel God's calling them to and whatever. Um, but, uh, but they're still able to lead the family. But I love that you formed a partnership. So 
um, uh, and you're working on that partnership and uh, you've been working seven years on that partnership, what are some of the things that you've learned how you've been able to develop that? Well, one thing um, a few years ago, Ryan made the recommendation that, um, well, actually, I don't even know how it came about. You just started going, like you got on a read through the Bible in two years plan or something. Mm -hmm. Ryan just started doing it because he wanted to know more of what was in the Bible. And I think it took me a full year of like watching you go through this read through the Bible in two years plan where I was like, I want to do that. That looks good. (laughs) And so um, that was several years ago now. And so we just started um, reading through the Bible together, you know, whether it's a two-year plan or a one-year plan. And um, at that time we had dogs. And so we would (laughs) try to read the Bible individually in the morning. And then we'd take the dogs out for a walk. And just when we were out on the walk, we would say like, what stood out to you? You know, what, what kind of jumped to your attention? And um, y'all, that was priceless. That was really priceless. And then, you know, a couple of years ago, we spent a whole lot of extra time together, thanks to <laughs> lockdowns and that kind of thing. Yeah. And we had this great structure already in place for like being curious about scripture and wanting to learn together and have conversations together. Yeah. And that wasn't Ryan telling me what to do like i'm the man and this is what you need to do get it together wifey that was just ryan being obedient and following the lord and it making me want to follow the lord Mm -hmm. and like be curious and learn with him and that's been i mean a huge blessing to our marriage has just us us like being in the word together and talking about it together and and listening to podcasts together and really growing in that together has been huge for us yeah yeah what i love about that is also um so ryan's leading by example and Mm -hmm. a a lot of times when the one spouse is a little bit more less expressive than the other their example goes a whole lot a whole lot further right Mm -hmm. and um it and takes a little bit longer maybe to imitate or to learn from or or whatever um but it's absolutely awesome and uh awesome how you've done that then you are seven years married now you said and you already had some challenging situations as as well um what was maybe one Mm -hmm. of the bigger challenges that you just faced and how did you overcome this challenge oh I had a list. <laughs> um, well, <laughs> I guess we could talk about our challenge last year. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so yeah, one recently is uh, we also do foster care. I've uh, been doing that for oh geez, three years now. I think it was like three and a half years and ago. And a half years. We started doing short-term placement um, respite care for yeah. foster kids. Yeah, and so, and while doing that, we met one particular child that we just ended up kind of falling in love with. And uh, and his foster parents asked us like, hey, would you consider, if his case goes that way, would you all consider adopting him? And, uh, which we've been asked that before. Like, many times, many times. Many times, we've but, had many foster yeah. parents ask us about potential adoption situation but the connection just wasn't really there and so we never other, had said with other kids with other kids yeah and so we said yes and then kind of like a whole like year and a half waiting to see where this case was going to go and it finally moved that direction because covid finally kind of well ended and uh, actually had this court case and 
uh, Department of Social Services didn't pick us to be his uh, family that he get placed with. And so they picked another family. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like this whole time you're thinking like, all right, this is where God's like, this is the plan. Here we go. And all of a sudden it's like, all right, what just happened? <laughs> yeah. Wow. We spent a year and a half thinking really like mm-hmm. any time now, like we could be parents of this child. Yeah. And was, then, was this child living with you at this moment? So kind of for no, you? No, he, he lived with another foster family and we were the respite care providers yeah. for this child. So um, they were with us multiple times a, a month. Um, yeah. We, we, we stayed really close. Um, we yeah. Normally that child probably might've been transferred to us early, but they stopped doing transfers due to COVID. Um, so that kind of changed the process a little bit. Yeah. And, um, so getting that news that we were not selected as parents, um, hit really hard. That was really tough and really mm-hmm. devastating on a lot of levels. Yeah. We just didn't know where, like, right, we're supposed to be going now. Like, all right, we kind of been preparing, even not doing things. Cause we thought this is like where we're going to go. And yeah. It's like, all right, now what do we do? <laughs> yeah. I, so, are you processing those emotionally emotions similar or are you like different in with the disappointment and the 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 answer? Well, it, it was on the one hand it was grief. Yeah. On the one hand we had both been through different grieving processes mm-hmm. before but this was the first time we both were in the grief process at the same time. Yeah. We've never been in the grief process at the same time over the same thing before. Yeah. Um, and thankfully, um, we'd been growing a lot in self-awareness up to then. Like, I don't, I don't know how seven years ago, Ryan and Aaron would have handled that. Like that would have been really, it would have been really hard and it would have been really tough. Um, but our partnership was at a place and our self-awareness was at a place and, um, that we were aware, like, okay this is grief. Like, this is not normal Ryan and Aaron. (laughs) This is not how Ryan and Aaron normally relate or engage with the world. Um, I had a lot of depression Mm -hmm. for several months, um, which I identified as like, it was just part of the grieving process. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, I mean, that messed up a lot, but I think um, a lot of it was was trusting the process of like, okay, I know I love Ryan and I know that we're connected and I know that we're in a good place. And like this grief process is changing things, but like, I know that Mm. once our, our brains and our bodies balance out from this, that like, there's still love and affection and joy and, and meaning and purpose ahead for us. Mm -hmm. Ryan, did you, were you depressive as well? Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, I internalize things a little bit differently, but also knowing knowing that. And I think my old self would have just sort of tried to take away a few key points from that experience and just jump into something else. Yeah. But from the past of that, realizing that, that doesn't really work, it's like, all right, I'm just going to leave a lot of space here. Yeah. And don't try to, like, me pick what to fill it with. Like, let God, give the space to God and just, like, focus on kind of the foundational stuff and just wait <laughs> yeah. like, don't try to do anything major like in this yeah. state yeah so good so what is that like I, I love that um um wanting to experience all that god has f- to offer in 
that moment of grief. What did that practically look like? Oh man. Um, it looks like a lot of um, slowing down. Um, it was sort of the world was sort of starting to open back up um, in many ways from the pandemic and we just did, weren't in a rush to follow. <laughs> uh, we were like, we, we kind of, you know, yeah. we need to retreat. And I think also just being honest with our friends. And like, I remember at one moment when it first happened, texting my friends and saying this happened and I'm not in a place to have a conversation about it yet. Yeah. So I'd love to see you, but please don't bring this up quite yet. I will let you know when I'm ready to bring it up and I'm ready to talk about it. Um, so that was part of it was just because we tend to be very active, very involved, very social, going out all the time kind of people. And the world was opening back up. So all those options were being presented to us. And we really sort of chose to take a step back and take it maybe a little slower um, just to make sure there was room for us to process what was going on yeah. in a lot of ways. So friends would ask me for updates if I had anything. <laughs> yeah. We also in that time, like I, um, I signed up, like I got a therapist recommendation from my friends and like scheduled appointments and like went to therapy and Ryan works through a book by John Eldridge. Yeah. Uh, well, while at heart, you know, the hike, you know, Seacoast hike does it. I read it in my mid twenties or so. But then found out like, oh, there's a whole workbook to it that you can get. And John's like, it's basically going through like two years of counseling <laughs> itself. Yes. And so I went through that last fall too. Uh, kind of just finished at the end of the year, really. Yeah, Ryan spent a lot of time like really going in depth with yeah. doing that workbook that is a, a counseling style workbook too. Right. Yeah. So, but yeah, so I mean, a lot of time just in prayer and kind of waiting and, and just like yeah, grief sometimes on the floor, but... <laughs> Yeah. So after this disappointment, and you both, like mentioned before, to you like entrepreneurs of those different sidekicks, you, um, this was, this adoption was like your dream as well. This became your future. Like you have other ideas, and now it didn't came to happen. Is it holding you back now, or are you more careful, more precautious going after other things? You know, how do you prove now? Was this not a God thing? Is this a God thing? You know what I mean? So yeah. personalities with this disappointment or this ex experience, would you say you approach the future, maybe not adoption, maybe own children, maybe new businesses in the same way? Or are you a little bit more cautious? Cautious. That's the word I'm mm -hmm. looking for. Well, I feel like, you know, soon after getting the news is like, they almost had the conversation of like, could we have done this with not being hurt? <laughs> yeah. You know, and the answer was like, well, not really, because then you wouldn't really like fully loved and engaged in the process. Yeah. With that care. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and to, um, I would say, Ryan, part of your conversation has been a lot of like, what is the difference between striving and like, doing the good work that the Lord has for us, mm. like striving in an unhealthy way versus like following after what the Lord has designed and made you to be. Mm. And Ryan, you spent a lot of time 
talking about that and processing yeah. that and really coming out of this failed adoption, um, like asking the question and wanting to mm -hmm. sort of engage with that process a little bit more seriously. Um, and I would say for me, um, it, it has, it has helped me trust Ryan more with decisions. Cause I'm, I'm definitely a shiny object person. Like I see something, I want to do it. That looks like fun. I want to do it now. I don't want to wait. Like I like to go for things. Um, but having been through a process for Ryan for where we went for something together and it ended in grief and we're still connected um, to each other and to God, it made me realize like I can trust Ryan. And so now when opportunities present themselves, um, I feel a little bit safer, I guess I'll say, like trusting Ryan to go in the process with me um, in a lot of ways. And like, if he says like, I think we need to pump the brakes, I'm not like, what? You're no fun. Like, come on, don't be a chicken. Like, instead I'm like, yeah, okay. I'm glad you brought that to the table. I really like, if I do something and it, you know, lands me face down in the dirt, I'd rather be face down in the dirt with you than me yeah. having just pushed for it on my own. That's awesome. Would you say the same thing happened in your relationship to God or what kind of effect happened there? Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> 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 hmm. So it's almost a little bit opposite, I think, for both of us. Oh, oh man. man. Oh, so, come on, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, and I've I've shared this with others, I um in going through this adoption process, I really felt like we heard from the Lord at a number of places. And I never, we never heard God say, you're going to adopt this child. That was not a promise God made. That's not anything I would claim. Um, but it was clear that God was inviting us to love this child and to, to love and engage. And so for it to end in a failed adoption, to me felt like a bait and switch. Like, God, why would you leave me here? Like, and I, I mean, I remember clearly after that moment being so angry at God that I, I remember distinctly saying, God, I don't really want to hear what you have to say. I'll tell you when we're on speaking terms again. <laughs> and I, I was just, I was so hurt and angry and disappointed. And what I realized was God, God was making me choose who was God of his life? Like, were my plans God of my life or was he actually God? Like, was I willing to follow him for better or worse? Mm -hmm. Like I committed to following Ryan for better or worse, but like God had always, you know, been faithful and good. And this was me questioning, like, are you really faithful God? Because I can't see it right now in this moment immediately. Yeah. And God led me to a place where I had to trust, like, even if I don't see it, yeah. Like you are still faithful. And so um, it, it was a, it was a big moment. I mean, for someone who grew up in the church, I've been following Jesus my whole life, worked in full-time ministry da, 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 to hit a moment and say, God, I don't want to talk to you right now. It was a low moment. Mm -hmm. um, but it really, I feel like it put me in touch with, 
the the you know the the prophets that wrote lamentations you know all those psalms written with grief that david wrote and there's so much of the bible that works through the the wrestling the justice the authority piece that i just i'd never had to work through before and yeah. that's what i feel like god and i had to do yeah i mean you had all of that you know depression and whatnot but also looking back it's like well we had a year and a half of like joy we wouldn't have gotten if we hadn't jumped in right like there's a whole like year and a half of just amazing joy <laughs> yeah. how you're putting this out on yeah, yeah. and so and, and so also for me it's opposite like i i drove in deeper actually with god <laughs> you know after i tried to strive and fix it myself a little bit and some yeah. thoughts there <laughs> Yeah. And it was just like, ah, oh, okay. I've been through parts up before and I've tried to go this way. Let's try this way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. I think that's uh, so encouraging for our couples uh, listening in who are going through, you know, very difficult experiences. Rebecca and I went through one at the very beginning of our marriage where we lost, you know, five children to miscarriages and premature births. And, um, you know, it was a, a, a time where I felt like the a carpet was pulled from underneath of us, and yeah. underneath of me. And um, it was really difficult because I'm similar to you, Aaron, in the sense that I'm, you know, excited, extroverted, uh, want to push on, move on, want to, you know, reach the next thing that God's got prepared. And all of a sudden I couldn't anymore. We couldn't. We were just we were just on the floor and we couldn't do anything we were just so lucky uh lucky is the wrong word but it was a divine connection we had a pastor pick us up and he just mentored us through that whole year just prayed with us and mm -hmm. uh, cried with us and uh, took us into a small group where there wasn't the expectation that everything had to be good the expectation that everything had to be healed that we had to talk right we didn't have to talk christianese that was yeah. a great, like you were what you were saying you know just being able to say to god i'm disappointed um i'm disappointed yeah. and I, I i don't know why it, this is a bait and switch and yeah. you know we're gonna have to work our way through this together because I, i'm not gonna say it's not because that's the way i feel and right. uh, i remember rebecca many a time just being frustrated and angry and um uh, and me listening to her and I was always wanted to move on to the next thing I always wanted to sidestep it I oh I never wanted to go through the pain I hate pain mm. and I just I was forced to go through that pain and you know the pastor the uh, pastor who mentored me through it um you know we after a couple of years we looked back and he said you know it was like this was the breakdown before the breakthrough you know, mm. and it was like um, as if God needed uh, me to be broken down and to be at the end of my rope so that I could put him in his position, just like you said, of leadership in my life. It's not about me, but it's about God's will for, for our marriage, for our family. Mm. And um, that's awesome to hear that. And I'm sure that's an encouragement uh, for everybody listening in. There is a breakthrough after the <laughs> breakdown. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but it's hard to see the breakthrough in the breakdown, right? Yeah. Precious, yeah. yeah. You want your way. If what you are hoping and praying for, if this comes to fruition, then you think that's your breakthrough. 
But when mm. things good things not happening, then you don't necessarily look at it as okay, that's my breakthrough now. Yeah. I remember there being a distinct moment when I recognized that both praise and lament are equally valid forms of worship. Mm-hmm. And like going through the Psalms and recognizing there's praise and there's lament and there's praise and there's lament. And they're both valid because they're both us engaging with God instead yeah. of breaking away or disengaging. And that's just, that's oh. something I never would have learned if we hadn't yeah. been through this process. There's so yeah. much about grief and connection and who God is in those really low and dark places that I just, I never would have learned and I never would have experienced. And I think I carry such a deeper level of compassion now and such a deeper um, connection to other humans going through the very human experience of, of disappointment, of unmet expectations, of grief, of injustice. Yeah. And I just, I wouldn't have been able to relate um, if we hadn't had that. So it was a breakthrough for me in many ways, Yeah. Um, yeah. but it, it definitely took a while to see it. Yeah. But I love the way you said that <clears throat> with the disengagement and the engagement, it's like when you experience challenges, troubles, painful experiences, then the natural thing is to pull away is to like we were talking before sidestepping the situation and that's not that's exactly what god doesn't want he wants you to engage in the pain in the suffering and yeah. um that's awesome that you can bring like you said the lament time you can bring that pain that suffering that's what he wants he wants us to engage with him whether you know it's a high oh right now in our life and especially he can handle it yeah you know, often i realize when you are say when you say i hate pain is avoiding pain or avoiding conflict is very often also protection of the other person of I don't want to burden you with whatever I'm going through or Mm. sometimes it is I'm not trusting you that you can give me the right support that I need but very often it is I don't want that this thing what I'm struggling with comes between us but God really can handle it and so it's sometimes this picture of God we always have to be positive we always have to be thankful we always have to be just in awe of who he is, but he knows us so well. He made us, he knows us better than we know. So in my heart, I can feel disappointed. And with my mouth, I can say, thank you. And he knows I'm actually disappointed. So why not being honest and say, I'm really disappointed right now or struggle trusting you for something. Um, It's not like you had a hundred dollars and then you stood in the shop. Should I spend it for this or that? And you made the wrong decision the whole adoption yeah. of us losing children, it felt like it was nothing I could decide. I could do right. something only he could provide anyway, and we didn't get it. And so knowing he can handle all my emotions, and he's the one who can help yeah. me bringing you to that place like you described so well of making the choice again. Am I really going to trust you again? Do yeah. I want to trust right. you? Um, am I? Do I want that your plans are the good plans for me, for me as well? And so... That's a really cool place. Awesome. Come on. This is such <laughs> an encouraging podcast. People on the other end listening to it are going, yes, 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 I know you are. I know you are. Now, in February of uh, 22, you decided to participate in the Unstoppable 90-Day Experience. 
-hmm. How did it go for you? What were some of the takeaways? Yeah, so we signed up. Um, we were still new-ish to Seacoast, and um, we've been talking about joining a small group, yeah. but we'd been on sort of the personal development journey for several years together. And um, so a lot of the content for Unstoppable we were looking at, we're like, oh yeah, that's like seven habits of highly effective people or like, you know, all these other like books and things that we listened to and worked through before. We're like, Oh, these people are nerds like us. This looks great. We found our people. They want to be our friends and hang out and talk about all these nerdy things with us. Fantastic. So we signed up to find like fellow personal development junkies out there. Um, and we found some, which was pretty cool. Uh, it was great. Yeah, I think we almost joined more for the social aspect. Than oh, yeah. Our <laughs> motivator was definitely like the social end of things. Yeah. Um, but, but it was really helpful yeah. going through the process again, because um, there's always something new to learn. Like anytime you go through sort of the coaching cycle, there's always something new in there and having mm -hmm. it um, rooted in scripture and coming from believers um, was really cool for us. Yeah. Um, to sort of engage with and like bring that into our conversations in a lot of ways. Yeah. I think the one main thing, which kind of connects to what we were talking about before, kind of just wanting to like, you know, experience something like this Kairos moments and you just kind of, especially the painful ones, you're like, all right, I just want to like move on, you know, throw it back there. And if you don't like deal with it properly, then it can kind of like throw you off course really and kind of blurs your vision, even for when you're trying to like set goals or have a vision for your life in the future. It's like, you're doing it from, uh, vanish point that's not where you're supposed to be <laughs> until you kind of go back and circle through which you know the Eldridge workbook kind of start bringing that up a little bit for me but then like that one day we had and you start drawing out I'm like oh that's this missing piece I feel the and owning, I feel like some of these other books story. didn't yeah 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 mm -hmm. the Kairos moments knowing your story and that kind of piece yeah yeah, yeah so good that's awesome. So in the first month, it's um, we talk about uh, owning your story. We talk about identifying your enemies and uh, the things, the internal enemies that you have, your own, you know, procrastination or unforgiveness or hurt or pain, external enemies like uh, situations that you're in or your upbringing or um, other people that are throwing throwing spanners into the works. And um, what what were you able to identify as one of those things that you needed to overcome? Was that the experience that you just had or was there other things in there? Hmm. Yeah, I'm not really sure. Um, so it's like, like I said, we've been working with that workbook or I've been working with that workbook before. And so I feel like I dealt with a lot of stuff and it was nice just having that clarity of like, Oh, this is why I really need like actually deal with this stuff and how it connects to everything else we'd also learn over time. Yeah. I'm like, oh, this is maybe why X, Y, or Z program didn't work before because I'm staying at the wrong point because I didn't deal with this other stuff before. Like I can't really cast vision from this from this point of view. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I felt like for me, um, one thing, I mean, I just hadn't really worked through it before, but one thing for me was just sort of the the internalizing the the lie or the limiting belief that um, that like I um, I will just always mess things up 
like that was just an internal thing that I believed was like, if I, if I try to take on too big of a project, if I try to take on, you know, too big of an ambition, like I, I will screw it all up. Like I, I cannot get things right. I will always screw it up. And I really just hadn't thought through how that came up until Ryan and I were sort of engaging with the material and pulling through it a little bit. And it's like, Oh, like this is why, um, like I'll react, like I'll, I'll freak out on things when Ryan just like points out a little something I did wrong. It's not like Ryan pointing out something, you know, that I did that was unhelpful. That's important. Like that's how you build communication and you grow. But I wasn't reacting to Ryan pointing out something I could have done better. I was reacting to this internal belief of Aaron, you're just going to mess it all up. You always screw things up. You're always the problem that you're, you're always the reason that things go wrong. You are the problem. And Ryan wasn't saying any of that. Like none of those were his words. <laughs> that was a belief yeah. that I had and internalized. And so that's what I was reacting to in those moments. And so identifying that um, just as, as one piece and uh, working through one opened me up to receiving critical feedback from Ryan, which is important. Um, but two also had me kind of work through and think through, okay, where have I actually self-sabotaged myself? Because I believed it was going to fail anyway. So I just cut things off too early and never like saw these projects through to their full through fruition because I just assumed they were, they were destined to fail anyway. And so I just would cut and run on projects. Yeah. That's awesome. Now I, that's awesome. One of the, I, I'm assuming that you both are more or less sort of guys that sort of take a look at a couple of months in advance of what your calendar looks like, what your year might look like. Uh, <laughs> even uh, planning for adoption, you know, uh, just, you know, gaining ground and, and building expectation and all that kind of stuff. And in the second month, we talk about really what God's placed into your hand is placed you know, the capitals of spiritual capital, relational capital, physical capital, intellectual and financial. And also, um, you know, we come out of the second month with a why statement and uh, sort of motivating us for for what God has in store for us as individuals, as a couple in our business, in church and uh, wherever we're relating with other people. Um, was there a surprise in there for you as you created your why statements? What were they? And do you still remember them? Yeah. <laughs> so one thing that was surprising was we started working on our why statements totally separately and like did not talk about it. Like we just sat there and we worked on it. And we thought about it, worked on it. And when we compared them, we were like, oh, they basically say the same thing. <laughs> we're a little bit different. Yeah. Like, oh, this is basically the same idea. Just how Ryan would say it versus how Aaron would say it. Yes. Um, but that that was cool. Yeah. That was really neat. Yeah. I think we weren't expecting to. I wasn't expecting that. Um, so, I expected so, us to sort of be in two different arenas and to realize like, yeah. oh, cool. Yeah, like, yeah, the core, it's like the same. Working through our yeah. internal motivators, which I, I think part of that um, has so much to do with this process we've been in for years, which is trying to get really clear on what our values are. We've spent a lot of time the last few years us talking about like, what are our values as a family? What are our values individually? Like what is really important? Like 
if if all else were to fade away, like what do we want to be known for? Like what difference do we want to make? What is what is at the core of what's important to us? And yeah. we've spent years iterating on that and talking about that and using different workbooks to talk about that. And um, so when you get super crystal clear on what are your values, what, what do you value highest? Mm-hmm. Then writing a why statement, like, why do I do what I do? It makes sense that they would be really similar. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's basically the conversation we've been having for years. Yeah. So it, it makes sense. I just, I was still surprised by it. Yeah. So, so what is the why statement? What are the values? <laughs> yeah. So our, our, we still have two separate statements, um, but they both have to do with um, creating spaces for connection. Um, we yeah. very much are both people that like to, to create spaces for, for people to come together um, and connect with other people. Um, a conversation we've had a lot the last couple of years is creating spaces for people to connect um, with the natural world and connect with the beauty of creation and what God has done in mm. nature and sort of fostering that connection in a lot of ways. But yeah. um, that's, yeah, around yeah. what we've been working on. Yeah. Anything to add there, Ryan? <laughs> That's a lot of her cover. Right? Uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, pretty much like we've, you know, for years I've just done, I mean, of course, COVID slowed everything down, but usually done like annual ski trips with various groups of friends, you know, organizing things either downtown or at our home. I mean, we did monthly, usually Taco Tuesdays at our house. And so then it's kind of going up at our level with that really like, all right, let's look at more. Like how can we expand this really? And what do we say no to, you know, there's been things we've done and are actually still involved with that. We're like, all right, that's not our thing. And we just need to close that out. And, um, you know, we're kind of in the process of wiping those things away and making room for what's new really. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that with the whole, um, knowing your why statement, knowing your values, um, it really helps you to narrow down even where to spend your time to protect you of getting too tired because you're spending too much time in areas or even with people who are not really that life-giving for you, but they probably will be very life-giving to someone else. But because this, you're still mm-hmm. spending time with them, it's going to make it harder for others. Mm-hmm. So normally in the end, yeah. we're coming to an end to this podcast and Tim and I, we do uh, the takeaways from what's your biggest takeaway, Tim? What's my biggest there? takeaway? Yeah. My biggest takeaway, I, there was a lot, you know, it was a, it was a lot to this podcast, different uh, phases of their relationship and journey in life. And I think um, in all those different phases, uh, they've learned to take the situation that they're in and really help let it, allow it to draw them, draw it to Jesus. So whether it's their values, which are talking about, you know, creating spaces for relationship, whether it's the difficulty of not having a, a child or, or uh, adopting a child, um, at the beginning, it was, it looked as if it was going to, you know, be uh, uh, destroying their relationship to God or whatever. But no, it didn't. It enhanced it. It grew their relationship, grew their relationship with each other and it grew their la- relationship with God. And I think that's so encouraging for me and for others uh, listening in that the same situation that um, can be used by Satan, by the enemy 
to destroy something, the same situation can be used by God to build something. Mm -hmm. And so often when a, a negative situation pops up, we automatically think, okay, I'm done. Mm -hmm. Or, you not know, again. not again. Or why me? Mm -hmm. And uh, this gives vision, this gives perspective to be able to um, accept a situation, say, okay, God, use this situation for your glory. Mm -hmm. And what I love too, so during all your stories, if you both seem not to be afraid to take a step back and evaluate and be intentional with the situation. You can get lost with the circumstances and there's always things that need to be done. And sometimes you still need, like you still have to get up, you still have to eat, um, but not being afraid of, okay, let's pass quickly. Like even when you say, said when the doors open again, the world was ready. Where are we really going? What are we called to? Where are we supposed to be? And even if there's challenging situations and disappointments that we're facing, not to be afraid to talk about it, not to be afraid to expose yourself to it, to figure out who am I in that and how does God see me in it? And what are my decisions that I can do that actually I'm going to be better in the end and not just busy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Rebecca, will you pray for us? Yes. Father, thank you so much for Aaron and Ryan and for all our listeners. Um, we all are differently. You made us individual, amazing, unique, and you love each one of us. And you always allow us again and again, Father, that we can find a yes. They found a yes for each other with the differences and with the similarities, knowing, Father, you are the one who keeps them together. You are the one who brings the healing. You are the one who gives the hope. You are the one who gives the future because of you we can take a next step so thank you um that while we listen and we maybe realize things in our own relationships they're not maybe talked through right or we haven't made this decision yet that we will not push this further out anymore but that we will have the courage to say let's talk about it let's make it a decision about it or maybe let's forgive each other for things um while we cannot move on because we still hold something against each other. So thank you, Father, that you're here with your healing, with your power, with your strength, and that the best truly is yet to come because you are not done yet. You still have a great plan prepared, however this is going to look like. Father, if they're going to have a child or not, you can give it to them if this is your will. So thank you that you know all our prayer requests, you know all our needs, and that's why we turn to you knowing you know what's best for each one of us. And we want to receive from you. Thank you for tuning in to the Unstoppable Duo Show. We pray that you were encouraged and were able to take away an idea of how your marriage can become a little more unstoppable this week. Are you looking for more? Twice a year, Rebecca and Tim coach a small number of couples through their 90-day Unstoppable Breakthrough Experience. Why not join them and create the marriage you always believed was possible? Go to theunstoppableduo.com and register today. We look forward to seeing you next week right here on The Unstoppable Duo Show.